and welcome to Game Brain, a board game podcast about our gaming group. I'm your host, Tom Donnelly, and uh, this is round 13, yeah, round 13, turn six, and I'm here with the one person that I have to be nice to. I'm here with the Game Breaker. Paul, how are you, sir? I am doing okay. I have uh, classic Coca-Cola uh, by, by my side, and hopefully I will be uh, awake for this. It's wonderful. Everybody else in the game, brain, the game Brain group, in one way or another, I chose to hang out with. You, I did not. And, and, and you never, ever cease to remind me of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother-in-law, how are you, sir? How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, let's see. Uh, yesterday, Ben, Dimitri, and friend of the podcast, David Gilson, I say that that way because he's... Uh, asked me not to call him that, call him because he's our friend as well. But like, but now he's only is going he to, though? I think he's mostly a friend of the podcast at this point. Fair, fair, fair. Uh, we we went and uh, got some Peking duck uh, yesterday. I sorry, I missed out on that. Yeah, no, no, it's uh, it was it was good. It was good. Like you know, I would say that when you go for a premium Peking duck experience, I don't think I have the, I don't have the nuance to say what is better or worse you know like it's all just really good i mean you'd have to go to eight different peking duck places and 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 try and suss out the nuance right yeah but like you know like at least for me i've 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 had various peking ducks before but like i feel like with, with a cupcake or a burger I could, I, I could break it down right uh whereas i go like oh i realized yesterday that i was like oh you know i don't think i have the the context or even the the taste buds to differentiate because it's all sure. just fatty ducky goodness right yeah i mean uh, listen duck is almost all dark meat i'm a oh. dark dark meat fanatic that's where the flavor is right uh, white white meat people are they're, they're trash we can admit that whoa 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 that we are not uh white meat uh dark meat gatekeepers here so <laughs> look look if you enjoy the white meat you're welcome to it matter of fact it leaves more dark meat for me and i'm super happy about that but what was really interesting not, not to stay too much on the poultry uh, <laughs> it's like when i was in college a friend of mine who prefers white meat uh explained to me that the reason why he prefers white meat was not because of flavor necessarily mm -hmm. but because the ease of eating white meat as opposed to dark meat Okay, and I was wondering, and I w and I thought to myself, like, there are people like you who would who won't even deal with the uh, the mild inconvenience of uh, digging for flavor. Won't even go to Red Lobster. It, it, and then, and then, like <laughs> I, later in my life, I I, found, I met people who wouldn't eat meat off the bone. There, there are listen. There, it's, there's it's, there's a key for every lock. There are there is every kind of person on the planet imaginable. Uh, there is there's something special for everybody. I, what I was going to say, though, is that, that I think with dark meat, dark meat has more flavor, and I think my guess is that if there was somebody to do, like, super high-end Peking duck or something like that, and that's not what you were talking about. Mm -hmm. we, what you went to is a classic Peking duck place. I would say that the key would be the duck. Like, literally, not the not the method, not the preparation, in the the key factor would be like, the like heritage a, duck, right? A, like there. a genetically perfect uh, eating duck. Well, they, listen, sure, sure. Duck, the ducks, Kobe of just duck. like ducks, just like chickens are mostly, you know, uh, uh, um, farmed. I guess is, is, sure, is sure. the way we put it. And the fact of the matter is, is that there are some ducks, right? Like I've I've given you 
I've given you heritage turkeys, right? Sure. And and very special birds for very special occasions. And this is poultry talk with Paul and Tom. <laughs> <laughs> well, what what you're not talking about is the release of your uh, of, of your film to film festivals all over the place. Yes, yes, I have I have a film. Uh, it's called Americanish, and like if you're in LA, like uh, it will be showing at the uh, LA Asian Pacific Film Festival uh, on September 24th. Uh, tickets are available tomorrow. And what film festivals has it or has it already debuted at? It's uh, been at CAM, which is uh, like the Asian Film Festival in uh, San Francisco. It's been in the New York Asian and two New York Asian film festivals like that were sh- shown simultaneously, and uh, we both won the audience award for those simultaneously. So that was yeah. interesting and weird. And well, those were the North Korean and South Korean ones. Uh, exactly. Okay. Good. No, no. Good. 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 <laughs> um, that's. Awesome, and uh, I will I will toot your horn because you seem uncomfortable to do so. Uh, the reviews have been staggeringly positive. They have been uh, a, a virtually uniform in their uh, in, in their praise of the film. And I know that uh, a producer can mean a whole bunch of different things, but I know for a fact that you worked very very hard on that film for a very long time. And that uh, while there there you know there's a, there's a director and a writer and there's amazing performers that your fingerprints are all over that thing. Congratulations. Congratulations, sir. Thank you, Tom. Thank huge, you, Tom. Huge uh, thing. I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so that's that's it for what's going on with you, pretty much. Peking Duck, and you weren't even going to mention your film? Yeah. Yeah, speaking. What about you, Tom? What have you been up to? Um, well, I, you know, we had two Trey episodes in a row. Uh, and that's because uh, I was out of town. Uh, I went to Puerto Rico for the first ever Super Draft retreat. Uh, you were invited to this. I was invited. Uh, I I could not go. I and understand. I, and you, I and well, you're 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 big time in me now. You're a big time movie producer now, and uh, you, you can't really hang with the little ones. I understand. Well, I will say, you know, I I do feel like Game Tom is a good Tom, but my favorite Tom is Traveling Tom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, expound. Well, I, I just feel like you know, uh, I've always maintained that when I personally travel. Like all, you know, I have to be a better Paul because I don't have the infrastructure. Sure. That, uh, and uh, when we went to Japan, like, you know, those uh, many moons ago, uh, I was like, oh, you know, all the things that make Tom Tom, like they just fall into place a little bit more. It's more focused, <laughs> you know, in a way that like uh, I thought like, oh, this is really good. Tom would be a handy person to have on a traveling, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, we were in uh, Puerto Rico for uh, eight days. And it was a writing retreat, mm-hmm. which means it's not just play, it's work. And uh, a super draft is my sort of um, writing productivity system, I sure, think sure. is the best way to put it. Uh, the idea is to get that first draft out as fast as possible, to turn off the critic part of the brain and allow the creator part of the brain full access. And uh, the idea is, is that if you can do that, and most people can't, um, uh, there are so many happy accidents that start to happen. Like there, there is a creative faculty that we rarely access because we think we have to know everything we're going to write exactly before we write it. And that's not entirely true. So that's the, the super draft process. And we would write, we would get up at like 6.30 a.m. And we would start writing at 7 a.m. sharp. And from 7 to 1, we would take an hour to write, a half hour to relax, hour to write, half hour to relax. 
And uh, like by one o'clock each day, we were done with our writing for the day. And the rest of the day was relax, take it easy. We would, you know, go on trips. We would go mm-hmm. to the rainforest, the the only the only tropical rainforest in the U.S. National Park Service, uh, El Yunque, absolutely stunning. We went to the, you know, down south to the Caribbean side of the ocean. We swam in the warm, warm water. We had a great, great time. Awesome. Awesome. And I, I saw that a friend of the podcast, Matt Patterson... <laughs> <laughs> was there as well like you know he, he he went with us to japan so uh, yeah well all three of the people that went with me have been to game night so that is uh that is absolutely true yeah and, and listen um one of us finished a script one of us finished five episodes of a television series one did two drafts of a script and one person wrote two nonfiction books all in the span of one week. It was a huge, huge endeavor, um, which is why, even though I brought down games, mm-hmm. didn't play a game. Not even one. Not even one. Not even, I brought not, like not, not even six, for the gram. I brought six games. I brought six games. But the fact of the matter is, is that at the end of each day's writing sure. session, it's one o'clock, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I didn't even really want to go to the rainforest. We, we were just like, dude, we just want to chill. I mean, that's, it's, it's an intense process. Oh, sure, sure. Really, really intense. We just wanted to chill and 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 relax and and take it easy and to re-engage the brain later in the day to to play a game just felt like like too much because our brain was actually doing background processing for the next day's writing. You sure, know what sure, I mean? sure. No, I, I hear you. Uh, but that was that was me. That was that was my week. It was a really awesome time. I had a great time, but it's also really good to be back. But basically what you're saying, so if you miss if you miss Tom's like hosting, like you know, that that you're explaining why. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm just I'm just talking about all of the many, many posts about why 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 is there two episodes of Trey in a row? Why isn't there the Tom post? What happened? Is he okay? That's right. Like I wanna thank everybody. Nobody missed me. Nobody missed me. And it's okay. That's okay. That's the great thing about the podcast. We have a lot of people on the That's podcast. Right. It, it, it takes a village. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's say uh, we are going to be talking this week about a 1997 release. The game is Fresh Fish, and uh, it's a game that we probably talk about more on the Game Brand Podcast than any other gaming podcast talks about. It's like it's one of those hidden, oh, definitely hidden gems for our group. Exactly. And it's not like it's super hidden. Friedman Frisa mm-hmm. designed it. Friedman Frisa is a prolific and weird and fun game designer. His most famous design is Power Grid. I mean, it, it's a classic, absolute classic. And he's done many, many, many other really interesting designs. He's, you know, a, a guy in the know. But Fresh Fish is, the, is this gem that we in particular have uh, uh, really adopted as our as our own game, and we play it with with some frequency. Mm-hmm. I, I think you and I are probably the uh, biggest fan of, of it in our group. Well, friend uh, of the pod, Jim, I think is the a friend of the pod, Jim Fitzgerald is is better at it. The savant, that's right. But uh, um, uh, yeah, and then Paul and I we're going to be talking about negotiations, in particular negotiations. Not in negotiation games because it's a mechanic, right? It's a it's sure, hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, when we're going to talk about when it is appropriate to add negotiation into the strategy palette and when it might be uh, less advised. <laughs> sure, <laughs> that's is, a way to to phrase it. Yes. Do what? Do you want to put it a different way? No, like you know, the, the overall theme is like you know because uh, I came up with this and uh, is. Was I being a jerk? 
And so, like, uh, 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 so as we go through it, you that, know, for you and me, that's a very short conversation, though. Yes, for you and me, but like, you know, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well, let's get to this week's game night. Uh, well, of course, we had the BrainCon, the first ever BrainCon. That yes. was a week ago. It was talked about on Trey's episode, but um, you and I haven't talked about that. Yes. I thought that was really fun. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Uh, after day one, I uh, like you, you, you spend a lot of time like playing games and really like using all your brain power. Uh, by the end of day one, I was like, going, oh, I think either I'm really tired or I have ALS. And so I spent the, the rest of the, I spent like a, a good hour, like rabbit holing, like, you know, symptoms of ALS because I was going like, oh, oh no. And, and, you know, it's, and so it was, it was very interesting. Like, you know, I was going, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not using my, my verbal capacity as the way I should. And, and I was like, oh, yeah, maybe just tired, maybe just tired. But like, it, 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 it is to say that, like, you know, it squeezed a lot of the brain juice. It does. It wipes you out a little bit. It wipes you out a little bit. Uh, but, I had such a good time that I'm seriously wondering whether or not I want to be, go, be going back to the local cons or I want to keep BrainCon alive. I'm not sure. I, I think, it, like, I was talking to uh, Ben about this, and I feel like the one great thing about uh, the local cons is that they have big tables and multiple big tables. Yep. And so what that actually does is it, it uh, encourages or, or or, like, releases you from the consideration of like, oh, do I can't really play this game because it's going to take too much table space. Well, but I have a big office and we oh, got and we have t- this this table that we're playing on is bigger than any table at the con. And yeah, but could we, could you play two huge games on this table? And the answer, well, the poker table. Yes, the, the, the poker table. Uh, I don't know. Like uh, this is just this is just the feel of it. Yeah, me. yeah, yeah. I got it. But but I I think uh, I would rather do brain con. <laughs> um, and then we, of course, we had a game night this week. Uh, this week, I played some uh, terraforming wars, not at the game, and not at the game con. And then uh, it was a weird game night because we had people that were arriving kind of staggeredly, and we were kind of waiting for the critical mass to play. So we brought out just one, and uh, Jennifer does not like party, and infamously does not like party games at all. Uh, but after that, she she wrote me and she said, you know, I hate to say it. But I really like that game. That oh was wow! A, yeah, she's like, she's like that. That may be a party game that I actually don't mind, and that was a, great to hear. Uh, then we also played Fresh Fish, of course. Uh, a Colima, Teach You. We played some Teach You. Um, I taught Ben Teach You uh, a week ago. Uh, he went out and taught four of his, uh, three of his friends to play it. They played till one a.m. last Wednesday. And he is teach you hooked. Uh, and then we played Avalon, and then we ended with another party game, Wavelength. Uh, Wavelength is a really fun game for our group because we are not on the same wavelength. <laughs> <laughs> well, we played Wavelength uh, during uh, BrainCon, and for me, I, I feel like if I really look back, that was the highlight. Oh, it's amazing! It was, it's amazing. Uh, yeah. Um, we yeah. Should, and, we, should and, we should we say that? <laughs> well, so you know, uh, you have to know that there is a lot of trash talk between Tom and myself during games in life, but, yes. but in particular games. And so we uh, 
we structured the team so Tom and I were on opposite teams. Because otherwise it is over too quickly. And, and, and so eventually, and it just worked out this way. It's not necessarily this way, but it worked out that I won both of the teams that we played and Tom uh, uh, did not. <laughs> <laughs> and so the, the last game that we should have played, but we didn't get to play, was like whether I was the kite or Tom was the anchor. Right. And, and, but, but I think what was really fun is the, is the, the jabbing that happens with it. Cause yes. Yes, the the bitter recrimination phase of the game, which isn't in the rules, but we definitely have added, is is just wonderful. Yes, yes. If if, if you want a little a little bit of emotional bloody nose, then you know that that that's, that would have been playing with us. We we, we give you that hundred percent, hundred percent. And uh, it was good to bring out Tichu uh, again. We don't you know we don't play it very often, um, mostly punitively because it's Dimitri's favorite game, and we we don't want him to experience pleasure at game night. <laughs> um, but no, it, well, because it, it's, it's a four player game, it's a card game, and the length is indeterminate. That's a great way of saying it. It, it. it depends, and so like there's no way to really predict. Right, and generally what we do is we try to play games of relatively equal length. So that if we have eight people, if we have 12 people, the games are ending at around the same time. So we can come back and reconvene. And if we're going to play another game, we can create it. You know, we can change the, you know, okay, how about you two go and play that? And we'll go over there and play that and so on and so forth, right? That's the, or we all get together for one big game of Avalon, which usually happens at the end of the night. Uh, interesting Avalon this week, don't you think? This week, uh, it was... I think it was part two of Brain Game uh, Avalon. Uh, so we played Avalon and Quest uh, at, at, at GameCon, Brain GameCon. Is there a better way of saying it? Brain. BrainCon. BrainCon. BrainCon, yeah. BrainCon. And uh, I think they were master classes. People may disagree. <laughs> I, I don't know anyone who did disagree. They just don't want us to talk about it. <laughs> and, and, and so, uh, suffice to say, I, I thought they they were really great. But what it did do was it made me completely untrustworthy. Sure. Uh, yeah. In in the way that usually is reserved solely for me. And so, uh, in this week's uh, Game Brain, uh, Dimitri was Merlin and, and I was Percival. And I could not be even, I could not be more clear that I was like, hey, I am on your side. And his response was, nope. No. <laughs> I can't nope. trust you. I choose to disbelieve. And, and it, from, from that moment, I was going like, oh. Dimitri could not have looked at you and just said fake news more. Uh, and it, it, was, it, was, it, was very, it was very interesting. I've never had that experience where. And he looked around and nobody else was signaling him. Yeah, no, it, 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 it's it, crazy. It, I mean, it, it, I'm not going to say that it was it was a high point for me because I was going like, wow, I've really hurt Dimitri in this game right now. And then the, the next thing Dimitri did was he was the first one to pick a team and he chose himself and the two minions of Mordred that were known to Merlin. And immediately I knew that he was Merlin. <laughs> Because he was like, ah, I'm going to be smart. Here's what I'm going to do. Nobody ever chooses the first mission. It's going to fail, and I'm going to make it look like I don't know what I'm talking about because I'm going to choose. If he chose one, fine, but choosing both of them, it was just, and it looked deliberate. It just, it, 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 I, I, I would say it was not Dimitri's best game. Right. Uh, but it was very interesting to, to play it because I, I, 
I had to still try to win. Sure. Uh, and I, I think I was uh, successful in not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what anybody could have done because uh, the good guys did win mm-hmm. and then Merlin was discovered. And so therefore there was no, right, right, there was no, no further game. I, I will say that like, I think it was uh, Ben's, Best game in recent memory. Very good. And uh, to the Ben point- is relatively new to the game. We mm-hmm. keep sort of forgetting about that. Mm-hmm. But he is a, a person that is hundreds of iterations behind us in, in terms of uh, a play. So, and, and it seemed like he actually enjoyed the game, which is yes. not, it's not always with, with, with Ben. Yes, yes, totally agree. Um, let's get to the news. Good evening, Mr. Mr. Nobles, South America, and all the ships and clippers at sea. Let's go to press. Mm-hmm. Um, we got some dysfunction to be reporting here. Um, okay, so there is a publisher called The Gaming Goat, TGG. And uh, they have a couple games that are that are in the hotness right now. Um, and maybe not entirely for the reason that you're thinking. Um, they have a fishing simulator game that is up there. And... Um, it has a weird thing in the rule book. It has a frog on the uh, on the cover of the rule book, and the frog seems to be giving an okay sign. Now, I don't want to get into this. I really don't. I don't want to get into this, but I will say that um, both uh, frogs, Pepe the frog in particular, uh, and okay symbols both just happen to be this perfect uh, convergence uh, convergence of two different dog whistles right for the for the alt right essentially is, is what we can say um and now here's the thing about dog whistles dog whistles are intentionally uh deniable right they're intentionally well, no it's just a frog no it's just a, this right it's it's that that whole conversation can come up that way so when people started to point that out the publisher and also the game designer, two different people, uh, started uh, protesting. Like, I don't even, the, the, the game designer I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't, what is this? Like, he doesn't even know what these terms are, which I find hard to believe in this, in, in this era. Possible, but once again, you know, once again, gray area, is it or isn't it? Uh, the publisher took a, a kind of a different approach. The, uh, the guy in charge of the gaming goat, um, really engaged in some troll-like behavior on the on the geek and and elsewhere, and just kind of started flaming people left, right, and center. And for me, that was that was that was it from my perspective. From my perspective, um, you can protest that it doesn't mean what you think it means all you want. You can claim ignorance, um, but your behavior will out. Right, your behavior will will explain what what you are and what your situation is. And this this guy, in my opinion, and not just in my opinion, you know, uh, uh, several European designers that had games that were scheduled to come out with this designer or with this uh, publisher have said, we are canceling our contracts. There is a game that is currently on the game hotness that is put out by them that is said that they have canceled their contracts. And in the next few months, the game would no longer be published by this uh, this company as well. Um, which is all to say, like, we don't know if the the thing that sparked all of this was malfeasance or just a, a, a bad confluence. I suspect malfeasance. 
Um, but definitely the, the fallout from that has just really told me that I don't personally want to be doing anything with uh, involving the gaming goat. It's, it's really interesting because like, uh, I take it from a, a very, just a pragmatic approach. Uh, and this isn't to give like a tactic unlock to, to people who have different uh, ideologies than myself, but like I think we can see that like right now, mm-hmm. like you know, people get canceled uh, for for correctly or incorrectly. However, you would, and, and and there's both for yeah, sure. Sure. And so if you are if you are if you have if you're you're accused of doing something that is cancelable. Like really, the the people who survive it the most are the people who go like, "Oh crap, I'm really sorry." Yeah, I mean it's just it's a, a very strong like you know, and that doesn't always save you, but it it's certainly uh, the people that the people that get saved are the people that are able to introspect and right. Like for example, I, I use uh, uh, Dan Harmon, one of the creators of uh, Rick and Morty and Community, and yeah. so like uh, Dan Harmon. Uh, was accused of like harassing one of his writers, uh, and you know, and he wrote like the most like effusive. Uh, You're right, and I'm totally sorry about that. Like you know, I I just I destroyed your career, and I look back and I go like that's not that that's that wasn't right, and I I hope you can forgive me. Blah 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 to the point where the accuser was like, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, basically I did not expect that. Thank you. Great. And, 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 you know, and because and if he didn't do that, like, you know, Rick and Morty doesn't become Rick and Morty, right? Probably not, yeah. And so th- there's this aspect where I go, like, even if you are nefarious in some way, sure. like, don't you know that the, the, the appropriate response, the, the, the counter gambit, the defense is just really claim it and apologize? Which, is, which was what I was saying. What I was saying is, is that, hey, Maybe it's coincidence. Maybe, sure, sure. maybe, even and, if it is. And the, the the danger of the danger of dog whistles is that it's always has mm-hmm. that cover, right? Um, but even if that was that, the the behavior that happens after the incident, 100%. like nine times out of ten, is going to tell you everything you need to know. And it one hundred percent did. It was a troll flaming everybody who was attacking it, and and that that speaks volumes to me. Oh, 100 percent. Like you know, yeah. it, it, it it's. It's the Kavanaugh. Yeah, it is. Very much so. Um, next piece of news. I mean, you want to get even weirder. Uh, Fantasy Flight announced this week with a note that starts, Hello, Keyforge fans. The past year and a half has been rough. <laughs> and then goes on to describe how we're not getting any new Keyforge for probably a decently long time. Why? They say, and this is what they, this is what they quote, um, due to an unforeseen complication the fact is that the deck building algorithm for keyforge which by the way is mandatory for it's how the game is built um is broken and needs to be rebuilt from the ground up okay the algorithm is broken now they need to fix it um the thing is is that on reddit people started noticing certain things right they like there were a bunch of computer programmers who were like, mm, an algorithm is broken is a very interesting phrase, right? Sure. It's not really, there are very few things that that could be that would cause the problem that they're describing. Um, one thing that was out there was that there was a post evidently prior to this coming out saying that a disgruntled uh, a worker for Fantasy Flight left the company and 
sabotaged or destroyed or deleted the algorithm. Sure. And if, if there's only one copy ever, and it's in the secret vault. That, I, don't, like, I, I, I don't understand that either. <laughs> but then there's another thing that somebody was saying that there was a ransomware attack on Fantasy Flight a, a few months back, right? Sure. Where they were, where, where they were locked out from their own stuff and all that sort of stuff, and they say that's what that's what happened because, to because you only put your 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 algorithm in one place. I mean, it's, that that at least is possible. Sure, I that guess. at least is possible. The the truth is is. There are all kinds of, of strong, very interesting theories flying around as to what exactly happened to the Keyforge algorithm. But uh, the end result for Keyforge fans out there is that, unfortunately, you guys are going to have to wait uh, some amount of time because uh, whether they have to rebuild it uh, from whole cloth or whether or not they have fragments that they can rebuild, uh, there is a major reconstruction effort that is going to have to go away to restore Keyforge to people. What a world we live in, Paul. It's it's different. It's not it's not the it's not the world I grew up in. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, our friends at Prospero Hall have a, a new game coming out that is near and dear to my heart. They have a Rocketeer game coming out. The Rocketeer: Fate of the Future. Um, so people may not even know there was a movie called The Rocketeer. It was a, a Disney movie that. Uh, that came out in the 1990s. Sure. Um, early 1990s. And uh, it just so happens that it was a, a the very first premiere I ever got tickets to. Um, I was working for someone who was working for someone, and, and I got tickets to the premiere. And one of the people I took to the premiere was Trey Alsop. There you go. Yeah. So we went to the premiere, and, and let me describe this premiere. This was back in the age of premieres movie premieres they shut down Santa, uh, they shut down hollywood boulevard from la brea to highland which is where the chinese movie theater is where all of this like all the sure. glitz and glamour and the when you and, think of uh of hollywood this is what you think of exactly the entire street was closed off and they put a carnival in there there's a fair there were uh, uh, Ferris wheels and rides and attractions and popcorn. It was all done in that period era stuff, like 1940s era design. And it was gorgeous. We saw the movie in the El Capitan movie theater, which had not been opened. This was the grand opening of the El Capitan, which is a gorgeous, you know, kind of faux old style movie hall. Um, and it was an astonishing evening. We really had a great time. Did I love the movie? No, I didn't love the movie. I liked the movie, though. I liked the movie, though. I, I enjoyed it. Now, part of the enjoyment was the specialness of the event. Yeah, probably. But I, 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 I kind of liked it. I'm, I'm glad that uh, this, it's one of the, um, this is kind of a, a pulp era title to some degree, the, the Rocketeer. It was constructed by Disney. It, it didn't exist back in the day. But I like the idea of a of a young engineer with a rocket strapped to his back that can fight the Nazis and stuff like that. Is it? I think is it, this is the movie that introduced me to Jennifer Conley. Yes, it is. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, I, I think uh, that that's why I remember about. It. I mean, I remember the movie, and it was it was okay. Timothy, I think Timothy Dalton was the bad guy. That's correct. Uh, but yeah, but that's correct. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it had a, had a good aesthetic. Alan Arkin was the uh, the, the the crotchety old uh, oh, yeah. you know uh, yeah. the sidekick. Yeah, I I I quite like it. Anyway, uh, Funko Games and Prospero Hall are putting out a game that 
it looks beautiful. It really looks uh, uh, nice. I will say that in comparison to a lot of Prospero Hall designs, um, this one looks like it might be a bit more complicated. This one looks like it might uh, might have a bit more going on. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe maybe that's uh, simply the the perception that I have right now. But man, this company has been on a roll. Prospero Hall has been making some good good stuff, right? No, I I, I think uh, it's it's one of those things where. And this, this just may show my my proclivities. Like, I love seeing a new franchise being born. Mm-hmm. As far as like mm-hmm. you know, here is a concept, and here is we're going to flog the concept over and over again, and we're going to produce high quality stuff. Yeah, uh, whether it be in the food realm or or, or like you know wh- whatever. But like, I, I look at this and I go like, oh, you know, Jaws and uh, and and the like. And you're like, oh, they they found their niche and they're just hitting it. Yeah, and and will it last forever? Maybe I I have I suspect that like once uh, nostalgia is not the only uh, source of like baby uh, not baby like Gen X like enjoyment in life, <laughs> <laughs> you know the, it, it will change. But like, but you know like get it while you can get it. I think they're doing a great job. Yeah, I mean, I think they made some interesting choices too. Like uh, Jaws for being one one of the first things mm-hmm. they put out. I thought was really interesting. Sure. And now, who knows what they can and can't get rights to? That's another question. 100%. But, you know, the second thing they came out with, I believe, was Top Gun mm-hmm. with the two-sided board, the air battle, and the volleyball. Sure, sure. <laughs> it's just, they seem to be, you know, the back to the future. Mm-hmm. They seem to have made some very, very canny and not always expected choices in terms of which properties that they have, uh, have turned into sure. games. And... So far, they've done a really good job. I mean, uh, just uh, kudos to them, right? I mean, oh. even their their non licensed game, Pan, uh, Pan Am, I mean, did yeah, pretty good. Sure, and, like uh, I think a friend of mine, uh, not a friend of the pod, because uh, he <laughs> was saying that like right now we're in a in a realm of weaponized nostalgia, where you can where, where you can make product and money from like leaning into nostalgia and like you know. I feel like they've done a great job of it. Like, it, 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 there's just enough freshness that doesn't make your eye roll, but there's enough like, oh, this can't be fun, uh, is uh, is is great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think it's I think it's awesome. Me too. Me too. Um, and last bit of news: Simon Games has announced that they are partnering with Monsoon Digital to launch an NFT trading platform. Um. I'm assuming most of our listeners know what an NFT is, but it is a non-fungible token. Essentially, all that means is they're able to create digitally something that is uh, irreplicable and therefore is one of a kind and therefore, in theory, has value. Right? I mean, would you... you I mean, that's exactly what it is, but, you know, uh, it's... Yeah, no, it's usually for art. You know, some form of art, like you know, like yeah. And by usually, we say within the last two years when yeah. they when when they first came out. But yes, our, artists were the first ones to do that. They were, how can you create digital art that is is that has the emprunteur of uh, you know of a, of a singular work of art, right? And, and NFT is how you do that. I mean, it, it is. It's always this thing where, like, when I look at it, I go, like, great art. You know, if if you if you put the Mona Lisa. Mm-hmm. Next to a copy of the Mona Lisa, yeah. To my eye, much like Peking Duck, I imagine, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Like if you got me a great forgery of the Mona Lisa, sure. and so 
one will be worth X millions of dollars. Sure. And the other one is going to be worth what? Right. Well, the, the, so what it speaks to is it speaks to there are two um, schools of people in our hobby. Uh, there are pl- game players and there are collectors, mm-hmm. right? 100%. I am not a collector. I have a ton of games, but I am not a collector. I do not keep, I, you know, I try to keep them well cared for. Sure, sure. But I don't keep them well cared for in order to preserve their value. I keep them well cared for so I can keep playing them, right? Hi. And, and uh, games are to be played for me. Hundo, hundo. But, you know, there are, there are people, like, certainly in the world of miniatures, and mm-hmm. certainly, and certainly a, lo- a lot of people are collectors, and they're collecting games and, and hoping that they have, uh, have value. I think that's the play for, the, for this NFT uh, oh, sure. uh, game. Okay. It, it all comes down to, I assume, like, I think the term is providence, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, basically. Providence. Yeah, I, I can never get those two words. Yeah, Providence. Uh, uh, but you know, so like basically the chain of which, uh, this NFT art has traveled through. So like there's some value in its, uh, originality and it's actual visual, whatever is sort of irrelevant. Yeah. And that's all well and good until you look at the cost of NFT blockchain technology, which unfortunately is energy related. Um, the, the sad fact of the matter is, is that, uh, there is a tremendous uh, cost to generate enough energy to create the blockchain, to create these tokens and these and these things. And that, and I don't know. For me personally, we live in an era where we we should not be using energy, which is firing up plants around the world um, for purposes that are not that are this frivolous that's me oh here here's my hot take (laughs) uh i am not a a blockchain crypto dude so like you know but i mean eventually that will like things will shift to sustainable like eventually right like you know uh and so eventually like it will be energy neutral at the very least or not at the very least, but like it, it should be energy neutral. Like, and is there stuff, better stuff we can spend with our, uh, with our energy? hundred uh, percent. My thought process though, is that like, this isn't something that is going to go away, you know, the blockchain. I think that's something that makes sense in the long term because it, it's, it's all this power shift. One hot takes with Paul, uh, <laughs> between like where we're, 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 we're putting value. Mm-hmm. Like right now, we put a value in like governmental currencies, and and that's and there's good reason for that. I think there is a push for, for some people to move it somewhere else, and this is something that is, you know, akin to like precious metals. But like instead of precious metals, it's this digital thing that costs tons of energy to uh, maintain and create, which is not so different than you know digging for gold or whatever like you know so i like i i'm i think it's complicated uh, as far as what um what it's good for like you know but i I feel like there's like a group of disruptors who want to shift the the overall value of the of the world to one thing to another yeah yeah all right so paul is a uh 
energy consumption apologist. That's, that's good uh, to that, know. That, that's right. That's right. Didn't know that. I, I, very interesting. I, I don't have children, so I have no real stake in whether we go to Dune, we go to Star Trek, or we go to uh, Mad Max. All right. I'm going to tell your niece and your nephew exactly what you said. <laughs> I'm going to play this for them. I, I, I'm I, going to play this for them, and we will see what happens to your relationship. I believe I've told them straight to their face. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Let's just move on. Oh, you know what? There was one more piece of news. I'll just throw it out there. Um, Castles of Burgundy is now on BGA. Board Game Arena has Castles of Burgundy. So after all that really complicated news, uh, we have something truly un- untrammeled to report. That's that uh, a, a great game. If you've never played Castles of Burgundy, man, go there. Play it. It is a true, true gem. It's an absolute wonderful game. It's so interesting because I think... Everyone in our group feels that way, and I think Castles is okay, you know. But everyone feels like there's this like nostalgic part, or some part of them that go, "Oh, I remember in my in my game journey that when Castles was the way to go." It's a crazy good design. I I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I'm just saying I, I don't feel like I have that part of my journey where I go like, "Oh, Castles." I remember playing Castles, you know, day in day out. Like you know, huh. yeah. Well, it's probably before your time, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, let's do Games on the Brain. What's on your brain these days, Paul? Interesting you should say that. Uh, like, this is, uh, this is going to be uh, asked of, uh, of the viewer, of the listeners. Uh, I'm looking for a game mm-hmm. that... Ooh. Okay. Yeah. A sommelier? Uh, like, in a way, but... A game that uh, helps uh, maintain and expand working memory. Not the same as just like a memory game, but something that will help expand that thing. And I don't know if there is one. Interesting. Uh, and, and so like, you know, I, I know there are games that like, like right, right now, basically, I feel like I'm getting old and my memory is not what it used to be. Okay. So what I've, I've been doing is I've, I've had this app where I've just been, you know, train my brain to remember various things. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm up to, like, 39. You can give me 39 objects, and I can remember 39 objects, which, you know, it's a little more... It's pretty good. Yeah, no, it, it's great. But I'm not really using my working memory. What I'm using are various mnemonic devices and, and various things to associate uh, these things with... But isn't isn't that working memory at the end of the day? Well, n- no, because working memory is how much data you can hold. And what I've done is I've created heuristics that I can hold several in one container. Or, or more to the point, you, you created ways to make the packet size smaller. Yes. And so rather than that, is there a way to get me another slot? You know, basically, right? Like, I think most people have between them six and ten, like, memory holders in their brain. And they can, like, so that's why a phone number is like ten digits in America. Right. Uh, and so... Uh, in Soviet Russia, it's 27 digits. And, and, and so, like, I'm wondering, like, you know, and I don't think there is. I don't, but, like, the, I am wondering if there is a way to gain another slot. Mm. So that's what's been on my brain. Like, you got to ask your niece. I mean, nobody has more you know a- what? She, a- active memory slots as Soleil. But, but she has, she has, like, a, she has memory privilege. You know, like, like I, don't, I don't know if she goes, like, oh, here's what I've done to, you know, get this extra slot. I think she just started off has with it. a lot of extra slots. And, you know, and, and there, is, there is a school of thought where this is non-expandable. Basically, you are 
these processors only go to the negative and then it goes negative you know you don't you only lose slots as you get older right and so which is so depressing i wouldn't rather want that but like i'm just trying to maintain my slots i think i've gone from eight to seven okay and so like so i'm wondering if i can get back the eight and interesting the answer is probably exercise (laughs) definitely yeah but but i wonder if there's a game that can help that yeah, uh, I hate to tell you this, but I was just reading an article that was saying never skip leg day because it's it's actually the most brain. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Like legs are legs is legs is for everything. Like you know, if you want to yeah. lose weight, legs is the way to go. You know, but you know, I'm speaking as a person who skips leg day regularly. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> um, uh, what's on your brain, Tom? Like I played Crystal Palace at, at Brain Con, <laughs> and I brought it out. It was and and it's. Of the game, my top three mm-hmm. for that particular year, right? That was the year of Barrage. Sure, sure. That was the year of Crystal Palace, and that was the year of Pipeline. And I played a bunch of Barrage since then. I played a ton of Pipeline since then, and I barely ever scratched the surface of Crystal Palace again. So I brought it out for for that uh, con, and I said, I'm going to play this again. I just want to see, because there are a lot of poo-pooers in our group. A lot of poo-pooers, a lot of same people saying, yeah, I, I think it's good, but I don't think it's really great. I think it's really flawed in this way and that way and the other thing. I had such a great time playing it. It is such a good game. I absolutely adore Crystal Palace. Uh, so some of the complaints are there are two sets of cards. There are sets of cards that are inventions, and there are sets of cards that are inventors. And the idea is that they all have different cost to benefit, right? Sure. Uh, but it's there's also synergies, and synergies is where a particular person, inventor, wants a particular invention. And when you match those up, you get bonus points. And bonus points, as we all know, uh, are what breaks the economy of a game, right? And, okay, and makes, sure, it, sure. makes it un, unalloyed good choice to do that. Sure. Right? Um, and the game, you know, and, and some people don't like the fact that you can get an inventor and then just luck of the draw his the inventions that he's interested in won't come up and then you have sunk cost into something that isn't going to pay off whereas somebody else sunk cost into something that's going to pay off huge through no play of their own right and all that sort of stuff and for a very tight economic you know worker placement battle that is sub ideal I, I and i can't i can't fault that i i, I would love to see a second draft of the cards in that game, and it could be made better. But the design of that game is so crunchy. You have you start off with four dice. You can have a maximum of six dice in the game. Those are your workers. You never roll them. You choose what value you want to have on the pips, and you pay a buck for every pip. And that budgeting... That budgeting of your looking around the board, there are nine, ten locations that you could be putting dice, and they have radically different payoffs, and mm-hmm. they have radically different costs. Some dice, some spaces need a four die. Some give you an assistant action, which is an extra bonus action on top of things. Some lower value, like the ones at the bottom of the scale, they cost money to even go there. Uh, but sometimes that's by far the best decision that you can make to, to, to do that. And figuring out how to budget your dice, figuring out, because you can take as many loans as you want in the game pretty much, right, until you fill up your entire board full of loans. But guess what? That's huge negative points at the end of the game. And the game says that you can pay them off at any time, but there really is not much of a mechanism to get a ton of money 
right? I think at the end of the game, people can pay back two or three of their loans, but a lot of people are taking four or six loans, right? So you're, you've got a huge negative cost there. Um, it's just playing it reminded me all over again why I absolutely love that game and why I, I think that it is a, a real hidden gem because it's not talked about very much. Hmm. I like I have yet to play it. So, you know, you're looking at me and going like, oh, right. And I'm going like, mm-hmm. You've mm-hmm. never played Crystal Palace. There was a, for whatever reason, there was a bump in the, like, you know, like the rhythm of, of uh, what was Matt's game night and your game night. And for whatever reason, it got lost in the shuffle in there. Wow. Yeah, no, no. It's, it's a, uh, I feel like it's a game that. Do you realize what you've done? <laughs> I guess I'm playing game night. On fr- I'm, I'm of Crystal uh, Palace on Friday. <laughs> I'm virtually certain that's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, yeah, no, it, it, it sounds very like I remember when it, uh, our group as a whole was describing it as a very mean game. I think Jennifer said, "I don't like mean games. This is a mean game." Yeah, I don't know if that's true. Okay, I mean, I'm just saying. I'm saying that that's what I think. That's what she said. I don't remember correctly. Yeah, it's been a year or so. It could be. Uh, I, yeah, I don't agree with that. I mean, you're. Listen, people are placing dice out into spaces. There are a limited number of spaces available. Sure. Um, people can put a die after you've put your die and snake the space that you wanted to take. Sure. So there's there's some things, but I don't think it's... No, I don't think it's, okay. it's no meaner a game than, than Agricola, really. So. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't like Agricola. Oh, no. <sighs> I'm, I'm in the penalty box. <laughs> No, 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 no. Uh, Paul, Paul loves blockchain technology and the huge energy cost yeah, to, huge. to create a, a, a new thing. And Paul hates Agricola and uh, the sound of children laughing. Excellent. And I'm okay with like having my nieces and nephews like going into the land of Mad Max. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's all I got for Games on the Brain. Let's get to our game review. We're going to be talking about Fresh Fish. Fresh Fish is originally a 1997 release. Uh, It then had another edition put out by Plenary Games. That's the version we tend to play more often than not. And then there was a refresh of it that was done in 2014. The designer is Friedman Frieza, the madman himself. The artist uh, for the 97 version was Harold Lieske. And the publisher was 2F Spiel. Paul, tell us about Fresh Fish. Okay, so, you know, if you've uh, been tracking my uh, my episodes, like, you'll notice that I normally defer the explanation of the game because uh, I think uh, I'm not very good at it. But today, <laughs> I prepare. <laughs> Today's the day you... Today, Paul becomes a man. So we're going to see if, if, it's, if it's any good or not. And if it isn't, I apologize. Paul has already sung his Torah portion. This is the, the latter portion of his bar, uh, bar mitzvah. Okay, so the game. Yes. Imagine you live in a town where there are four commodities. Fish, power, gas, and games. <laughs> Naturally. Uh, and as such, uh, you will be opening four shops. A fish stall, a game store, a gas station, and a power whatever i think i think it's waste disposal i think is what it's supposed to be is, is that, that what it is it, i think it is it, i think it, it is. has a nuclear waste. yeah so, so anyway. i think that's what it's supposed to be which is weird that that those disposal sites are in the middle of town so four I don't commodities get, I don't fish that. power fish a waste disposal gas and uh games and so and you have you're going to open a, a stall a store a station and a dump apparently sure maybe okay uh the winner of the game is the person who gets uh the four commodities delivered to their store in the fewest moves so here's the setup. Uh, you okay. have, you're crushing it. 
Thank you, man. I, I appreciate it. Wonderful. Uh, I, I, I thrive on positive support. Scintillating. You're doing great. <laughs> You're doing great. I love it. I love it. This, is the, this is the best explanation I've had so far oh, of this game. Oh, that's right. Uh, so the setup. So the town is a 10 by 10, uh, 10 uh, gridded board that represents 100 plots of land. On a five-player game. Yeah. Uh, nine, uh, nine by nine for four player, eight by eight for three player. Sure. Uh, you, you should probably play five if you can. Uh, yeah, 100%. It plays great at 4 2, though. Great, great. Okay. Uh, so, uh, one of the four commodities, uh, commodity sources, like, you know, uh, will be randomly placed in each quadrant of, of the board uh, with fish, which the fish market in the corner. Tends to be, yes. You can, you can vary that in, in later games, but that's the, what they recommend. Sure. Yeah. Uh, there'll be a draw pile of building tiles, and each player will have $20 worth of bid tokens and six cubes that'll be used to reserve plots. Yes. Okay. Uh, so here's what you do on your turn. Actually, eight cubes because they're two in reserve. But, but you but, but you only get to you, correct. Hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, so on your turn, you can do one of two things. You can reserve a plot. A plot doing that means you put a cube orthogonally to any other cube or building on the board. You know, uh, except for the first uh, the first sure, row sure. where you can place anywhere. But like you know, so uh, that's uh, one of your first moves. Your other move that you could do is draw a tile. If, you know, uh, it's a building, congratulations, you're building a building on one of your plots. Uh, if it's a store, like, you know, the ability to build a stall, a, a dump, a... Uh, Gas station uh, or, or a stall. Or a stall. Yeah. Uh, uh, everyone will bid on, um, on, on that uh, ability to build that, and the person with the highest bids spends their money, and uh, they have to put that store on a plot. That they reserved. Yep. So far, so good. Hundred percent. All right. Uh, and so that's that's basically the setup and the rules and your turn. Now, here's the crux of the game: as more and more buildings get uh, put on the board, eventually conditions will trigger where uh, the the game, the AI of the game, will lay down roads. And it starts off this way. Like, the, there are three rules, I believe. And there might be a four. I'm, I'm, so, Tom, help me out here. Uh, first is the road starts at the fish market. Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, 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 all roads must connect. And all buildings must, must touch a road. Yeah, I don't think you need to say the first thing. That, okay. so, so, all roads must connect. And every building must have a road that touches it. Great. That's uh, really the two rules. And so uh, as the game's AI like, starts laying down the roads, what will happen is land that you have reserved may get uh, turned into roads, uh, so your, your plot of land will be exp- appropriated. And, and so basically, I mean, that's the game. The crux of it is, though, uh, how should I say in the best way? Uh, so close, so close. Uh, you wind up playing this game where... Uh, you are playing this negative space Tetris puzzle while trying to guide the road towards your uh, your your goals and having the road slam into other people's uh, plots. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, the road in the game is both the it, it, the the road is the scoring mechanism in the game, and it, it's it's a very interesting game because it is a game in which you can change the score of the game radically through the use of, of buildings and, and places. And everybody is fighting over where that road is going to go. And the, but the weird thing is, is that you're not placing the road. 
You're just placing things that eventually, because of the two rules of road building, will define where that road has to go. And it is at once uh, foreseeable and predictable, and it is at the same time wildly, you know, there will be chess-like discoveries of, oh, my God, there's... Oh my God! I, it's going to be mate in four moves, right? There, there are moments where sure. you're like, "Oh no, oh no!" If he draws a a neutral building and puts it and and puts it down there, I'm dead. all of these. Pl- I'm dead. I'm yep. dead. Just destroyed. So, so, so that's the game. Basically, you're basically, well, basically, basically. Uh, so you are. Ba- I did it again. Damn. <laughs> so you are basic, basic, uh, trying to control. Uh, uh, your your plot position, your store position, and uh, road allocation. Yes, that, that, that's basically it. Yes. I did it again. Damn. Let's give let's give an example. Um, the there is the game store, sure. right? The, the game uh, factory, I should say, that is pumping out games. I reserve the plot right next to it, right under the game store, right? And a game a, a, a game shop comes up. I bid on it, I win it, I put it there right next to that building. The minimum score I can have for that is two, and that would be if if I'm on the south side of the factory, if either the east or the west side becomes a road, and then the space to the south of that space becomes a road, then I have a my game store is two spaces away from the game factory. And that's a very good score. Right. If I if I can do that for oh, all oh, the buildings, I'm doing great. The maximum, uh, the, the the optimal score is four. Correct. And usually people win around seven. Well, yeah. Let's let's not. Yeah. So in our group, usually people win seven to ten. Usually people, Jim Fitzgerald wins. <laughs> friend of the podcast, Jim Fitzgerald wins at seven. Uh, the score can uh, range, like you know, winner being in the single digits, and the. Yes, I would say this. I would say that I believe that our winning scores tend to be seven to nine or ten, because whenever we play five player, there are at least two people that are lost in the woods, and that if all five people were were had the knives out to the proper degree, that I think the low score would be higher than that. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Um, but anyway, the problem is in the situation I said when I build a a store directly on the south wall of the factory. The problem is is that what happens if the road comes out the north end of the factory? If the road comes out of the north end of the factory, and it could even though I am directly touching the the game factory, it could be forever for that road to snake around the game factory and down past this and around these buildings before it gets to my game store. And that is the crux of the game. The crux of the game is figuring out how to build in such a way that you have a much higher chance of having that road touch your building quickly, right? 100%. So that's the game. And I think like the reasons why I like the game. Yeah. Uh, I think for me, what I like is the fact that, and, and this is going to sound weird, uh, it feels collaborative to me because our efforts 
are building, uh, are creating something, which is the road. Our efforts are, are, are creating where the road's going to go. But Def- we're defining the negative space. Exactly. Uh, but our, our goals are in complete opposition to each other. So it's this weird thing where I, I, I tried to find an analogy that would work. And the closest thing I, I've come up with, and this is a bad analogy, is imagine you and like, say, five, four other people are building a sculpture out of clay. Mm-hmm. And the person who uh, is going to win is the person whose sculpture is where the, the end sculpture is most, mostly them. So you guys are kind of playing with the clay, and all of a sudden, one part of the clay uh, hardens. And so now you have to move to another part of the clay. And, and when that clay hardens, it's really, I wouldn't say random, but like it's really not within complete, of your, complete control. Correct. And so there's this weird, and I don't think I've, I've seen this in any other game, where you're both working with and against simultaneously with each other. And, yeah. and, and, yeah. and, and uh, I, I also see it as like, you know, hey, I'm going to stab you in the leg and run away from the bear because I'm going to run faster than you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, listen, we, we were talking about negative space a little bit, and we should define our terms and make sure people sure, understand sure. what we're talking about. Most people will probably get it, but if you don't, um, when we talk about negative space, negative space is the area between where we're acting. So when we are putting buildings on a grid – that the building placement is the positive space. That's where we're putting things down. Um, and the, what we call this a negative space game is because the most important thing is not the buildings. The most important thing is the negative space around the buildings. And when that negative space starts to fill up enough, the two rules of all roads must connect and every building must have a road touching it suddenly come into play. And define basically after each placement especially later in the game we are looking and looking and looking at the map and making sure i'm like oh look that has to be a road why does that have to be a road because the because otherwise this side of the board and that side of the board don't connect anymore and so on and so forth um which is fascinating it is it really is and when you combine that with an auction mechanism it becomes a real odd duck of a game right because because it's a puzzle game in a lot of ways it's like you know i would say that there are very abstract elements to it it is an abstract strategy game but the theme feels good and 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 truth be told the the auction is very it's what makes it not an abstract game to me like you know chess there's no auctioning or bidding in chess here here is uh uh but but in this idea that you are because you're never in complete control. That's what it comes down to. No. Like you're never ever in complete control, and you're trying to deal with this force of nature, which is the road coming at you, and you're doing your best. So it, it never feels truly like an abstract to me. I feel like I'm I'm playing the board as much as I'm playing the other people. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, and when you see that person bef- right before you flip over the next tile and build in a place you didn't expect them to build in, and you just suddenly see what that road is about to do, and you see two, three, four of your cubes being handed back to you, places that you were counting on, desperate, desperate to build on, that suddenly have become unbuildable because the road must go through there, is astonishing. It really, it's, 
eminent domain the game is what it is, sure. is it, what it is. It's it can be very very mean. Yes. Uh which you know is always a, a plus for me. But what it what it really does is it really for for me at least what it really does is it really gets me into my opponent's headspace. Yes. Uh because they are so desperately wanting something. And I don't think there's a game where I see people as desperate for <laughs> the flip of a tile oh yeah it's a big deal right uh, it's like i in the last game if at a certain point in the game like two-thirds of the way through the game if i won if i won a gas station at that point the game was mine and every flip of the tile no matter who was the active player every flip of the tile i was like come on come on get God, no, no, no. Oh, so painful. And, and what's strange is like, you know, normally I think a, a lot of our of our uh, game runners would not love the fact that in some ways that's very random. But for some reason in, in this in this alchemy of like fighting the AI and fighting your other opponents, the randomness is really drawn into it where you're like, oh, this is essential to the game in, in the same way that another game that we play that is similar to this would not nothing is similar to this but like it has that element would be kremlin where yeah where, where kremlin like you know the flip is like oh that really hurt me it could have gone any other way you know but like this particular thing really destroyed tons of laughter and and ultimately in a weird way it divorces the need for complete like oh this is my fault yeah 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 in fresh fish you people who play fresh fish better are going to win more often they are never going to win all the time because because what you're really trying to do in fresh fish is you are trying to put yourself in the most advantageous position for the widest variety of tile flips that's really no i like that i like that that's That's really what it is that's Mm -hmm. really what you're trying to do you cannot predict what's coming out next you cannot and you can still be be messed up by the a tile flip that just happens to be exactly what paul or jim needs instead of our friend of the podcast uh david gilson is he though uh yeah 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 um now, let's just say a few things about the game that you need to know. There were three editions that were put out. There was the initial edition, there was the plenary games edition, and then there was the more recent 2F uh, um, edition in 2014. Um, there is no perfect version of this game. Um, the rules in the original version are nigh contradictory Mm. (laughs) there are so many rule variances and and differences in them um the plenary games edition they made this decision to put their plenary games logo on the back of every single tile and unfortunately for a game that otherwise looks fine it's a bit of an eyesore sure sure. they also have the world's smallest wooden cubes ever met like literally i feel like a team of scientists were put together to say what is the point at which a breadcrumb becomes a cube and what what is the smallest cube that will still maintain its structure and hold itself together and that was what they made how small can we make a cube and still maintain cubeness yes yes (laughs) yes it was it was and that's what they made for it so the components aren't 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 great aren't great on that edition but 
the rule system for that game is pretty much the best, and it's clean. The newer edition, the 2014 edition that you can still find in some places, is uh, problematic because the rule book is about, well, let me tell you how, how, how much it is. I have it in front of me right now. Uh, the rule book is eight pages. And if you want to play this game, the, the game that we're describing, you have to mostly ignore the first six pages. Because the first six pages are Friedman Frieza designing a game for uh, casuals, for noobs. Mm -hmm. It is not Fresh Fish. Then on the last two pages, he has a variant, Fresh Fish Classic. And I am going to read something here. Um, in 1997, we released the predecessor of this game with the name Fresh Fish as well. You can play this classic version of a game, uh, 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 on, a game on the game board which is not separated into different areas, you, you only create a single connected network path. During the game, all empty spaces and all paths need to be linked, so at the end of the game, all market stalls and delivery trucks are connected by a single path network. So as you can see, just by that disclaimer, the, other, the, the game that they're describing is, is totally different. But then my next sentence is my favorite one. Here it goes. The resulting game is much more pretentious. <laughs> Many players have problems visualizing the development of the paths. Yes, yes, Friedman, that's what we love about it. That's what's so good. Oh, my God. So you can play the, the, uh, the, the new game. The only thing I don't like about the, the new version, if you play it with the old version rules, is that the board is modular and there is no square board. I see. Oh. At the end of the day, no matter what modular construction you have, it's always got a little bit jutting out here or a little bit jutting out there, which I, I think for the – I think the square of fresh fish played properly is important. Do you – I mean, I, I don't know your true aesthetic of this, but do you feel like a square is perhaps a little too pretentious? maybe i mean it could be too pretentious i just thought that was crazy uh maybe it's a translation thing it, uh, it could be but uh it would not be the first time someone has described me as pretentious and i know <laughs> it probably isn't the first time someone described you as pretentious. <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely not anyway ladies and gentlemen that is fresh fish it is a uh, to say that it is a a beloved game for for some, maybe even many mm -hmm. in the in the game brain group, is not an exaggeration, and it is a criminally neglected game in in our hobby. It really is. If you're looking for Jennifer wrote about it that it's not my kind of game, but it is certainly different than every other game I've I've ever played. And somebody remarked to her like. You played everything. How how is there something still different? So how is there something new under the sun? And it really is true. The game is significantly different than anything you played. I think that's why I like it actually, because I have not found a game that uh, is quite like this. And for all of it, I, Jennifer, I can say, did not enjoy the game. She but, doesn't really like puzzle games to begin with, though. But, Let's but, be honest. But, sure, sure. But she did say something that was I thought was very insightful. She said. The game is more potential than it is uh, in front of her. And there is a truth to that where like you're kind of like a lot of the game is in your head. Yeah. Uh, and and you're, you're playing it, you're, you're modularly just, you know, adjusting in your head in a way that I don't think other games, like it, it, no other game affects my brain cells the same way. 
chess and go are games that are more potential than 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 reality, right? They're, yeah. they're, you're playing. You're playing in your. You're playing the game in your mind, and you're playing in the future. I, but but the thing is, like those games are are first two player. Yes. Uh, and and the other thing is, uh, I'm only dealing with one factor, whereas like uh, I'm yeah. dealing with my, the other players, hopefully for other players and the AI. Yes. And so like like there is there's so much that I'm fighting that it really it really is like no other game and i think i think it's uniqueness is actually what i would say is selling point not everyone's going to like this game yeah, uh, no 100 not everyone is but we can't recommend it more highly i yeah. mean if you can find a copy either the plenary edition or the uh the, the 4f edition that came out in 2014 or 2f uh, version that came out in 2014 uh just make sure that when you play the the 2014 edition that you go right to the back and you play only with the classic variants, the, oh. the pretentious, oh, yeah, yeah, fresh yeah. fish. Or that's what we recommend. If you play the other version and you think it's better, let us know, yeah. and, and maybe and maybe we'll 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 retract that. Yeah, maybe we'll have to have to try that at some point. But I, it re- it feels like the family version. It feels like it's it, it, the art of it too is is very you know very pastelly, very very family friendly and stuff like that. I think it, I think he tried to redesign the game and aim it at a completely different audience. With, with a much simplified rule set. But that was Fresh Fish. Now, Paul, let's negotiate. <laughs> okay, so I don't uh I don't know how to really approach this. So I will I will just start with uh a hypothetical. So this this game, you know, and to illustrate negotiation and what I think negotiation is and when it should be applied. So like this is more of a discussion than me having some amazing insight that uh you don't have a five-page outline like dimitri does uh like you know this is you know negotiations it's like the argonauts and (laughs) uh so penelope shooters so so let's play this game uh tom uh so elon musk gives you a hundred dollars or is going to give you a hundred dollars but in order for you to get any portion of this you have to get this stranger who, Mm -hmm. who doesn't know anything uh, to to vouch for you, so you know you're you're gonna give them some percentage of the hundred bucks to sure. Okay, how much do you offer that person? Um, well, that varies tremendously. I but have this, to... this person is a stranger. Hundred bucks. What are they dressed like? The, the, am this, this am person, I wearing a blindfold? This person is online. This person is online. So, so like you know, so the, the you know the, the, this that you know the their appearance is irrelevant. Like this right. is sure, sure, sure. So in, in the general, how much how much do you offer this person? Um, um, I started ten with the intention of ending at twenty. Great, great. So you're saying that you are going to uh, uh, pocket tw- uh, eighty, and they're going to pocket twenty. Ideally, yes. Oh, great. Uh, and the reason why they'll do this is because that's twenty dollars they didn't have. Correct. Free money. Great, great. Okay, what if that person is me because I am me, and you offer me that deal, and I give you a counter, and and, and the other thing is like you only get one, you only get I get you get one offer, and I get one offer. There's no negotiate. There's no. You didn't say that. Oh sure, sure, sure. But okay, uh, uh, yes. So I start right. That's why I'm starting off at ten. Sure, great. Uh, because sure. you have no idea. Sure. What the value of of your recommendation is. Great, great. And so what if I go to you, Tom? What I'll do is. I'll take ninety, and you'll take one. But you don't know it's worth a hundred. Oh, I understand. But 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 what if, what if I do this? What what do you do? 
I say no. Now, you are going to come up with $1 more than you had. And sure. what, what does my 99 have to do with anything? Well, because there are things that are more important than money. Great, great. Uh, so, like, you know, basically, that y- you don't want to propagate that attitude into the universe where some, some person would, would do that. Well, uh, certainly at a, at a point, it becomes ego. 100%. Right? And certainly it becomes a, a point of, uh, I've been taken advantage of. Sure. Okay. So whereas I don't feel in my initial presentation, I think one can argue about the number, but certainly one can't argue that I have mm-hmm. an opportunity to make $100. Mm-hmm. I am pulling you into mm-hmm. this opportunity. You get, and essentially you, you get a finder's fee because I need, I need uh, somebody to facilitate. Uh, what if uh, Elon Musk offers you a billion dollars? Sure. And you give me the same percentages, and I go to you, Tom. I'm going to take nine hundred million dollars, and you will take one hundred million dollars. Would you agree to that, or would you go like, no ego? Sure. No. Um. At that point, I would. Yeah, because I know what I know what a hundred million dollars is. Sure. Right. That's life changing, and 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 we can we can. So your ego I is am, now. I am not a person that is going to never have been. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not a person that is going to stew about. Right. I'm. I'm going to be the person celebrating the amazing. Sure. The amazing situation. I am not the person that is going to be stewing about how. Plus, it's not a great. It, it's not a great example because. I got it. I got it. But here's 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 where the mindset comes in. Great. The difference between a hundred million dollars and nine hundred million dollars is is very close to zero for me. For you, yes, sure, sure, very close, very close mm-hmm. to zero, right? Mm-hmm. The what what the other eight hundred million dollars will will do for me versus the hundred million dollars, I don't I don't have I don't have needs beyond a hundred million dollars. So and, and so, but, but but by doing that, I go like, well, what if it's, I offer you only five million dollars versus nine hundred ninety? Five million dollars. Yeah, we're probably back to the. We're probably back to the No Deal. So, so you would, you would, you would not. Five million dollars isn't life changing for you, uh, to the point where your ego is worth more to you than the five million dollars. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yep. No, sure. The, so somewhere between a hundred and five million dollars is your is your pivot point. Yep. Oh, great, great. So, I think this this basically I'm trying to illustrate that like there's this aspect where, uh, in negotiation or or. There's a point where even though people are going to mutually benefit, right? Well, not mutual, not not in, in the same way, but everyone's going to get a plus. The answer is still sometimes no. Sure, right? And and the question I I'd have is like, is that rational? Is that is that a good or or, or bad thing? And I'm going to apply this to a certain situation, but but well, we're talking games, hundred, and, 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 and so it, the the mere fact that we both benefit doesn't mean anything if the degree to which a player B benefits more than player A is going to result in victory. 100%. 100%. So like in games there is a winner and a, a, an array of losers. <laughs> uh, a sousson yeah, yeah. of losers. Uh, a cornucopia. So so so, so here so losing. if we go back from the beginning like was I being a jerk? come back. So hold on a second. Yes. Thank you, thank you. So, uh, so not too long ago, uh, about maybe a month ago, I, I was playing a game uh, of eighteen seventeen. Paul, uh, are you are you going to make me? Is the entire 
point of this to make me say you were not being a jerk? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to be very upset if that's if you're going to force me on air to say that you were not a jerk. I'm going to be very upset. But but no. But you'll you'll have to acknowledge the sophistication of which I maneuvered. <laughs> <laughs> so so 1817. Um, I was playing with uh, Ben and uh, a friend of ours, James, and basically in this game, Ben took a very early and commanding lead, like to the point of it's a third of the way through, and it's very clear that Ben is going to win unless he makes a mistake. Uh, he is going to win because, like, he is he is almost double doubled our, our value already and and for that game it's too soon like you know the, the the breakaway should not happen at at that point unless you know unless the guy's gonna run away with it right okay. okay so there was a situation where james had gone to me paul uh if we both attacked ben you know via stock manipulation and stuff like that uh, uh we might be able to get closer to ben and uh, stall his his progression Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, understand that he was in a firm second, and I was in a firm last place. Uh, He's in a firm second, you're in a firm last. Got it. Yeah. Uh, and so I go, sure, I'd be up for it, but like, what I would like is for you to uh, help me buy my stock uh, so that like I can get even closer. Uh, and, he's, and he first goes, like, let me see how it works out, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll go for it. And so we start attacking Ben, uh, and and then it gets to a point where his stuff is like the attack is set, uh, and I, I go, "What about you know uh, buying my thing that uh, we had discussed?" And he goes, oh, "I don't think I'm going to do that," which is which is never a good thing when you when you play with me. <laughs> don't do that because uh, because you'll regret it. So like you you play for the unemotional robot you are you play a more emotional game than virtually anybody in some ways in some ways but but like i'm playing the there, the, there is a there is a respect aspect to your metric that uh that is outsized compared to others for the most part can i can maybe? i say that that might be that might be true i'm oh, not sure uh, that's true uh, expand but it might be um when you are wronged in a game you will blow the game up to exact revenge there, there is, there is a. I, I could, I, it, I think of a Star Trek episode <laughs> where, uh, at, where Spock and McCoy and they're they're gonna die, and Spock does this hail mary that there's no way it's gonna work, uh, and uh, and at the end, you know, uh, they 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 rib Spock and go like, oh, well, you you almost died, and the last thing you did was an emotional response. And his response was like, well, logic said that the only way that might work was an emotional response. So I did. <laughs> uh, Let's just say we have a term at Game Brain, we, and it's the croc strategy. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, we, 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 let, let's we'll get, get to that. We'll yeah, get back to that. Okay. Got it. Good. So, so anyway, uh, so uh, now comes the execution of, of you know, we, we set all our pieces to attack Ben, and we have done that. And now it turns out that the pivotal thing that needs to happen is for me to do something. Uh huh. And I say, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, you need to do X. And X is actually much more painful than what would have been for James to just buy my stock in the beginning. Like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and so uh, 
he's going like, no, why, why would I do that? You know, we're, we're both going to benefit from this. And I, and I, and I go to him like, you know, in truth though, like you're going to benefit some, I'm going to benefit some, but our relative position is going to be unchanged. And so I, I rather than just getting closer to Ben, I want a score compression where not only am I closer to Ben, but I'm closer to you. Right. It's with, what does it profit a man to remain in last place? Exactly. And, and I go, and truth be told, you need me to do this because if you don't do this, Ben is just, if I don't do this, Ben is just going to win. Right. And so here is a situation, which is, I tried clumsily analogous to the, can I pop in yet? Go for it. Okay. Um, so one could see what you have done as uh, taking hostages. Which is which is what he said. <laughs> you know, and so here's a situation where I have gone and said, hey, I want this thing. I'm not, cause, I'm not causing a situation where you will be in third place. I'm causing a situation where I asymmetrically am advantaged over doing this thing. Uh, to the point where I am now in striking range. If I do not do these things, you are going to lose. You're going to be the first dead person. I'm going to be the second dead person. But you are going to be first dead. He, uh, he he goes. Uh, I don't negotiate with terrorists, and I go. Sure. I, and I go fair, and I don't do it. And then it it, it, it wasn't pretty. Yeah. Was there a kerfuffle? The, the, yes, a kerfuffle would probably be. Uh, the, there was a to do, <laughs> <laughs> but but the, the point was, you know, a kali shangi. Uh, I don't know that word, but like you know, I imagine it's it's it. a very Irish thing. So, yeah. so the question here is like you know, and, and I think there were hurt feelings, at least on my part. Man, mm. yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I can uh, see, I can uh, see. And, and so the question I had was like, you know, did I push too hard? Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't believe that I have any obligation to help his game, uh, for just because you know Ben is going to win. Well, it, it, okay. So, couple questions. Yeah. Question number one. Um, was there an agreement made prior to the moves happening? My requ- my question is the answer is like there was the question is like does it's it matter? It's a simple question. Uh, yes the, or no? Uh, there was an understanding. I don't think I actually said yes. Your Honor, please direct the the witness to answer in the yes or no question as as requested. I, I think if I say yes, that that's not giving proper context. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm, I'm saying like, I think the the answer is basically. Uh, he believed so. I did not. I think that's the, that's that, that's the fairest way of. Framing. So there was no common agreement. There was no nothing ironclad. And well, okay, this is the question: Did you both think that there was a common agreement, but you differed on your understanding of it? Well, the actual thing is like we put things into motion. I I, I put things into motion, uh, assuming true consideration uh, on his part to do the thing. He did not do this thing, which which. You know, like which is to buy my stock, and the and the assumption was 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 not verbalized. The assumption was verbalized. I told him, like, you know, I, I'd want this for this to happen. He said, I, I'm going to consider it. And then when I got when he got what he needed from me, he said, I think I'm not going to do that. Okay. And so I, I go, like, okay, well, like, you know, if that's the case, then like I'm under no rules obligation to follow through on this. Hundred percent. And so and so, but you know, I. I by, by, if I didn't execute, it destroys his game. Sure. 
because he, he's he's still putting himself at more liability. Yes, and and there's no way that Ben and I uh, the way where we can even catch Ben if if I don't do this. Sure, but like but last first loser is not important to me, and last loser is definitely not important to me. Well, okay, so here we get into several issues. Several issues, hundred percent. Several issues, all involving negotiation. In a- um, uh, not entirely, but yes, yes. Yeah. I, I would say there's one issue that doesn't involve that, sure. and that is the issue of king making. King making is not in it, it, sure. it, it's not intrinsic in negotiation. Sure. It can be separate from that. And what we generally say in king making is that you are, as we've discussed on mm-hmm. the podcast before, Trey and I sure. uh, had an episode where we talked about that. Where you are never, or you are unlikely to run into trouble if your play is always to give you the best finish. I, I, I that I, is. That is general, and and but here we're in an edge case now because technically speaking, if you did as you did, which was now forget about the threat, sure, sure, because the threat. I I don't. I I, I was negotiating, (laughs) but go on. Categories that you one man's one man's negotiation (laughs) is uh, another man's Mm -hmm. knife at the groin. Um, Your negotiation uh, aside, Mm -hmm. the, the your decision was to take a situation in which you were you thought you were 99% likely or 90% likely to end up in last place sure and turn that into a situation in which the win was out of question but second place was now yours sure oh, oh, Improve, oh, oh, oh. so so within the kingmaker rules and kingmaking rules kingmaking Agreements and understandings, mm-hmm. we should say, sure, sure. is almost invariably about I can't win. What do I do now? Hundred percent, right? Uh, to go from last place to second place uh, in a three-player game, it's mm-hmm. just up one spot. But nonetheless, sure. uh, is generally blameless. Generally blameless. The problem comes in with what happened prior to that. The negotiation, as you would say. I mean, the Cardassians would certainly call it. Well, you know, I, I, I will say I will say this, like you know, and, and this is this is the question to to the pod, like you know, uh, here is a game that this type of negotiation is not anticipated. That there's no rules to deal with what I did. Like I, I, I mean, so let's get into that. Yeah, there are negotiation games. Hundred percent. It is a mechanic. Hundred percent happens in games. Versailles, nineteen nineteen, just reviewed last week, 100%. is a negotiation game. Chinatown, Sheriff of Nottingham, Bonanza, Sidereal Confluence, Rising Sun, Churchill, Genoa, Cosmic Encounter, Oath, Diplomacy, the ultimate negotiation game. A game that is so much about negotiation. That's essentially what it is. It is a negotiation simulator. Um, so there are games where that is the game, and it is. And nobody would ever accuse you in any of those games of any kind of malfeasance if sure. you did it there, right? Because there are rules about the negotiating. No, not really. Not really. For instance, in, in diplomacy, there are no rules. There's not a single rule that says what what you can. There's no. There's nothing saying you cannot take hostages. There's nothing saying you can't shoot the hostages. And so I would say that diplomacy uh, is a game that the true game, the game as written, is not a negotiation game. The game that has emerged from it, which is what the intent is, is a negotiation game. Um, I mean, I mean, emergent is the wrong word because the game was always intended as that. 
It, 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 so it's not it's well, the, the, so, the so, simple the simple fact that everything about the design and it no it is written in there it's the 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 rules to negotiation are you have a half an hour for the first negotiation and you have 15 minutes for future negotiations sure. that is the that and it is but, but, in there and it's in the rules and that is the expectation and, and that's what the word is expectation there is no expectation in fresh fish for negotiation no, and, and and because there's no expectation, like there's a gray area in in eight, eighteen seventeen. There is no expectation of negotiation. It, it may happen. We have said many times that once you play diplomacy, all games are diplomacy. And, and, and the question that I'm, uh, the, what I'm proposing is like, is that beneficial? Sure. I, I don't know the answer. Sure. Like uh, I, I think uh, it is entirely on a case-by-case basis so let me talk about several of the top 50 games that we are fans of brass is negotiation legitimate and or is it even common or uncommon in brass i don't know I, i don't i don't remember ever negotiating in brass i believe that there are certain circumstances where negotiation happens in brass when you are overbuilding somebody's industry that is a negotiation point. You are taking your ironworks and you're overbuilding somebody else's ironworks. And frequently, there are two people you can choose between. That is when a negotiation happens, right? And the negotiation is quite, quite simply a attempt to reorder another person's perception of two players' various strengths. Sure. Uh, let, let, let me put it this way. Uh, brass could exist without negotiation. Sure, right? like like if you were playing yeah. completely, and I think it's a very it's it's it doesn't happen that often in that mm-hmm. game, right? It's yeah. it's uh, there, are, but there are reasons too. For instance, flipping my ports, mm-hmm. right? Uh, are you gonna are you gonna flip a port? or Are you going to risk this? And there are negotiations that can happen with that. If you build the, if you build this, I will build a port for you to flip. As long as we agree that you will flip that port, so yes, there are. I think there are negotiations in. Brass. But the game doesn't break down. Like if if we don't get to communicate and we play all online with random strangers, the game doesn't break down. I just have to make a choice, and without that ability to negotiate. Right. I guess what I'm saying is is that uh, I think that brass is a game that that can hold can benefit from negotiation and is generally not harmed too much by negotiation. Too much. Too much. No. <laughs> Listen, a person can feel can can have hurt feelings uh-huh. that you you overbuilt my industry instead of mm-hmm. that person's industry. But sure, but sure. These, like, these things can happen. Terraforming Mars. Sure. Terraforming Mars has cards that hurt players. Right? They mm-hmm. are they are they are attack cards. I won't asteroid you if you don't X Y me. Correct. Sure, sure. I won't steal your plants mm-hmm. if you don't blah 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 blah. Right. Clearly, clearly. Great Western Trail. I don't know where we negotiate in Great Western Trail, which actually makes me question how much I love Great Western Trail. <laughs> because to some degree, it 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 if it, it says that how many punitive actions can I have? Now there is a little bit, right? Don't build your building there. Sure, right? Yeah, um, no. This is why I was very excited to have this discussion with you because you are probably the person in our group who. Uh, relies like likes to use the tool as you describe as soft skills yeah the most you know uh and or at least in your mind for good whereas like i think people would use me as the is the counter 
<laughs> but, 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 but yeah, I'm able to do it and still remain good cop sometimes. But the question that I have, like you know, in in my case here, and you know, in the overall theme, was I a jerk? Is basically uh, when or if it should be used? Because in this particular case, I I I I felt like I caused some trauma to the game because like you know i told him like if you don't do this i'm going to have to do this and he goes i don't negotiate with terrorists and then yeah okay well so there's a couple things even there right one is presentation presentation is everything it's a lot (laughs) (laughs) so the difference between you and you and i when Uh we do this and we both do it quite a bit Mm -hmm. is that um you uh, you put on the facade of the villain, and I tried very much not to. Sure, right? sure. So it, it, with some exceptions, I will tell you an exception in, in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you did not put that as artfully as you might have, perhaps. Perhaps. No, no, no. Perhaps. I, 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 and also, there, there are people that don't like negotiation in, in, in games. That said, I don't believe that there's any 18xx game that negotiation you know we're describing we're saying mm-hmm. great western trail relatively limited mm-hmm. negotiation because of the way the game is 18xx huge realm for negotiation huge sure. now there are some train gamers that don't ever play with it they're simply head down playing the playing their game mm-hmm. but oh my god if if ben is walking away with it and you and i have to work together to some degree to make sure he doesn't mm-hmm. do that how is that not going to be a negotiation in, in the in the like here's in this particular case what i basically put the situation i created was basically we are going to spend another six hours finishing this game that we know ben's going to win uh if you don't do this that that, you know like did i push too hard there and the answer is i do not believe i pushed too hard but but i'm i'm not saying that i'm so immune to my Yeah. yeah okay the problem is 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 framing is, is, the, is the way you put it. What you just did, when you said it that way, what you've done is you have placed a metagamed consequence on an in-game action. But isn't that the case? I mean, and we go back, and we go back we, to... I, my soft skills would say, oh, no, well, we it, do not frame that it, way. And, and so here, here, here is the... Like, I'm a person who actually doesn't like negotiation games uh, in general. I like bidding games. I don't, I don't like negotiation games. And, and here, here's why. Uh, we, we go back to that $100 that Elon Musk or a billion dollars. Sure. Uh, you said 80-20, right? Yeah. Uh, I think... There is a movement in today's day and age where the answer is, uh, that a lot of people may say, or some people may say, is 50-50. Sure. And the reason why it's 50-50 is because um, the you have done nothing to earn Elon Musk's generosity. Like It's just sheer luck that you wound up getting that, uh, that $100 offer. Therefore, why should you benefit from that in any way? I'm not sure. saying that's right or, or, or not. I'm no, just no. saying... Uh, and by the way, I firmly understand, and mm-hmm. I don't take any issue with that perspective. Sure, sure, sure. It's just that my perspective, certainly as a, as a screenwriter, is that um, opportunity is uh, rare and valuable. Sure, sure. And whether or not that opportunity is, is earned or not earned, is, is earned or not earned. I mean, mm-hmm. within the situation, oh, we, sure, 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 sure. We, we have a state of that. Um, that 
there is a the, the, there is a uh, premium on that, and that in the future, should the person that got twenty bucks, mm-hmm. uh, uh, should should that person have a uh, achieve an opportunity? Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that they are one thousand percent right to come up with a a formula similar to to what I'm th- thing, thinking to advantage that. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Like uh, so, but like, imagine, imagine like we're playing a, a negotiation, you and I. Yeah. And I have the ability to go to the future and see the ramifications of what your negotiation choices are. Yeah. And I go, oh, well, I can go back in time and then make the, the, the most advantageous situation for me. Uh, I would probably win all negotiations, right? Probably, because I have, I have insight. You know, I can, I, sure. I can prognosticate in a way that uh, is, is perfect. In, but we both have this ability. Mm-hmm. What happens? I mean, we're back to a simple negotiation again. It, it, we're not, actually, because we know that ramifications of each negotiation, it either comes down to a pure compromise or a no deal. So I will go back to the question, which is, did you both, both parties, mm-hmm. um, agree that Ben's victory would be virtually assured? Yes, I, I, I would say that that's very clear. Okay, uh, but, but 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 so and and on both sides, both sides meaning, if we don't make a deal at all, Ben is going to win. He, he came to me with the deal. I made a counter proposal, yeah. and, and and with the frame like Ben's going to win if we don't do something. Agreed, you know. So right. uh, and, and so like if like back to my theoretical like if we both have this position of like infinite uh, prognostication. Is that the right word? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's compromise or no deal. Do and if everyone has this ability, do negotiate games? Do negotiate games ever work at this point? Um, not really. No, okay. I guess. I guess. I guess the the, the, the unknown is is mandatory. And so, in this way, when you negotiate, like what you're doing is you are leveraging your your belief that your prognostication is better than someone else's that's what you're that, that's what you're competing with right i mean not always but that's a big part of it and, and so in that way i feel and this is that explaining why I, i'm i'm villainous about it sure because we are both dealing with this idea that like any negotiation i'm going to try to find the thing that benefits me and to present myself as like oh this is this is fine for both of us is disingenuous Right. Okay. Well, <laughs> this, this, this me just putting you in a box where I go like, "Oh, you're a jerk, Tom." This whole this whole this whole maneuver has been to say that you're a jerk. <laughs> I mean, well played, except not really. Uh, sure, sure. I'm just because that that's not all negotiation is, right? Negotiation is uh, for, certainly from my perspective. Mm-hmm. When I am negotiating with a person, I am trying to show them the benefits. That are also beneficial to me. Sure, but like, but if you, but if the end game and and games are life and death, like you know, winner and everyone else dies, you know, you're not go. You personally, I don't believe, are going to show them a situation where you are going to be disadvantaged and they are going to be greater advantaged. Um, no, that's not always true. Sure. No. Uh, so if I am winning a game mm-hmm. and my win is in, so, so you're already not going to. 
if your win is in risk. And my win is in money. My win is in risk. Right? Yep. I, I, I might not. Um, I could be. I could shower the fourth place player. Hundred percent with the ability to jump all the way up to the second place player. Sure, and sure. by the way, could could give uh, there, could be I could be miscalculating, misca- miscalculating, uh-huh. or uh, and there's enough mm-hmm. in there's enough in the unknowable. Sure, sure. That that person could win the game. Hundred percent could win the game. Uh, but I am doing this because what I am doing is is I am taking the immediate threat that I see as being having a decent chance sure, of, sure. of not uh, the better chance of knocking me out. Let's say that. Of of doing that and 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 giving away, but you're still maximizing your game, though, right? I'm still maximizing my game, but that's not, that's not to say that I am always getting the better advantage. But like you know, but in the global part of the game, like you are, because you are you're negotiating with this person who you are most likely going to put into second place, so that the the second place person can't affect you in a in a multiplayer game. You, what you're arguing is that there is that everything is zero sum, and it's not. No, I'm I'm arguing that like you know I'm villainous because I I don't want to present as uh, noble in an endeavor that is generally negotiation in games where it's zero sum. That, that's that's my, that I, when you say I'm villainous, I go I absolutely agree. I I, I don't uh, even when I'm actually not villainous, people will interpret me as villainous, uh, and which is fine. But like I. I'm explaining why I present that way, and and, and it's it's by design. Like you know, I'm I'm not trying to be more noble. I'm just saying like this is I, I don't. I believe you have said before that the way I play a game is to put myself in a situation where most actions of other players also benefit me, and that tends to be a way that I play that I play a lot. You personally, yes, 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 S- which makes negotiations from my perspective uh-huh. a not villainous or less villainous action because virtually everything I'm talking to you about is benefiting both of us. That, but that said, they're going to die and you're not. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. And, and so, I don't know that. Well, I don't know that. I, I, I'm certainly he, doing something that, that gives you the, a better... I'm certainly advocating something that gives you a better chance of winning. Well, well, this, is, this goes to... Uh, what's that? Genoa? You know, like... Yes. Uh, where where this, this is best... Genoa best describes your philosophy. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, like... Well, so... Uh, so basically, Tom will play Genoa in a way where he'll always, almost always make a deal. And then it's a negotiation game. And basically, the idea is uh, he has his move. And if he makes deals with other people and they don't make deals, what he'll do is he'll collect these like little extra movements or semi-extra movements that ultimately become worth more. And because everyone is so concerned about making a perfect deal for them, they don't get these little extra bits. A person in Genoa mm-hmm. who makes twenty deals that are seventy thirty beneficial to the other person sure. is going to win over the person who doesn't who over, over the person who only takes deals when they are seventy percent advantage. Sure, sure. I, I would say that that is a situation where I believe that you found a. A, a system where like oh it's better for me to do this way i think in majority of games games that require negotiations or do not that is not the case that for you personally for most people i think i, I don't think most people uh, do this uh and i'm not even saying that uh that what i do is correct or you do is wrong i'm, I'm saying like in this in this realm like you know when we don't in this gray mm-hmm. like i i feel that 
it's it's not we nearly willy nilly will have negotiation in, in every game. You know, like uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. At, we might not even do it, but like you know, we're considering it. Right. And, and I do wonder if like if they're if we spoil a game a little bit by its design, uh, its intent, because we keep on doing this. Because there are some games where I feel like there are some situations definitely where I feel like it's not like in this in my particular case, I I pushed my person too far. I think I was being very fair. Mm-hmm. Like, like I still think I'm, I'm, I'm very fair. We're both going to lose. You need to give me a better deal or, or we're going to die. And he said, no. Well, it's, it's so my question mm-hmm. is this, he says to you, mm-hmm. Ben is going to win if we don't team up. Yep. And we want to, te- and I want us to team up in this specific way. Yep. You look at the situation and say, if we only team up in this specific way, then I think I still lose. And by a lot. Mm-hmm. So I need to add this addendum mm-hmm. in which we will also do this one thing so that not only do you get back in the game, but we both get back in the game. And effectively... And, the, and he said, I will consider this. He said, maybe. And I go, okay, fine. And he said, and then when, when the maybe t- came to a no, once he got what he needed, I go, okay, well... Yeah. Um, so, the, so your action was above reproach your theoretically your, like your, your no 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 i'm saying i'm saying it is i'm saying mm-hmm. that you stated right up front that your proposal one, one does one does not make a counter proposal sure. if the proposal is acceptable sure sure he decided to to not engage on the counter proposal and and in essence by doing that was forcing you to accept his original proposal you were under no obligation to do that <laughs> and under the king making rules if it betters your situation vis-a-vis the placement sure. the, the final placement then you are relatively blameless in that the problem is the presentation I mean, the problem is that, the, and it matters. Uh, um, so, uh, human beings have uh, emotions, and emotions are these. It's really difficult to explain to you, but they're really. Uh, I have a great emotion simulator, so so I I, I think. Do you though? It, it, Do it, you though? You know, my machine learning has really uh, refined it over the years. <laughs> this very description of this situation <laughs> belies that statement. Um, no, first of all, you you described the outcome in metagame terms instead of in game terms. Sure, sure, sure. That's bad. Mm-hmm. That's bad. Uh, and, and, and second of all, um, you, you, you didn't sugarcoat the hostage taking. Like, you, you literally hear how you sound, right? Like, you're like, oh, what you need to do, everyone, is sugarcoat the hostage taking. Yes! The, 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 yes! the degree of which... Yes, you're, you're you say, do! I, I'm not saying that that wouldn't be beneficial to me. I'm saying, like... The idea of like, oh, in a game, one must take hostages, right. and when right. one does, one sugar We yes, one. If you must, if you must, if you must, make sure that they are well fed. You want that Stockholm syndrome to kick in as quickly as possible because it's going to make everything a little nicer. Um, I will. I'm gonna have to end this segment with with a quick story about playing Anno 1800 uh, just last week. Sure, sure, sure. Um. So Mike Kananak was playing with us, friend friend of ours, Mike Kananak. I think we could say that. Yes, if he, he despises the pod, but like, <laughs> <laughs> um, Mike Kananak was was playing Anno, and there are 
several things one can do that are injurious in that game. Injurious. Is that a word? Yes, it is. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes, it is. Injurious or injurious. I don't know. Go, go, go on. I will. Um, one thing is when I build a advanced uh, industry, mm-hmm. you build the same one. That's injurious because um, now a person who needs that through trade can give the gold to A person or B person. Sure. So in virtually his very first action, he built exactly what I built. Mm-hmm. And I was like, competition. That's not good. That's For not either good. of us. The very next round, so like round three of the game, <laughs> uh, it is his turn, and he needs to do a trade action. And it happens to be a trade action that two of us have because uh, Mark also built one of my industries. Sure, sure. I was, I'm feeling attacked. Round three of the game, I'm feeling about as much attacked as you can be in the game. And now Mike has to get a resource from either Mark or from me. And he says, Mark, I'm going to give that. And I said, wait a minute. Now, I'm LARPing hardcore, right? Sure, sure, sure. Listen, you didn't overbuild his industry. You built, you built more industry, right? If you go and, and trade with him instead of with me, we're going to have a problem, mate. Your children will starve in the streets. You will never get gold from me. Never. I will build whatever I need to do. I will never trade with you. I will never trade with you. Now, Villainous. Villainous, right? Villainous, villainous. You, villainous. I've been such a bad influence on you. But I, <laughs> no, but I, but I sugarcoated it so well through acting. Sure, sure, sure. sure. <laughs> through, through the performance that everybody laughed and it was really, really fun. But I said, don't you do it. Don't you, you're going to regret this the entire game. And he did it. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't never trade with him. I didn't never trade with him. But, I didn't trade with him much. There's, there's consequences to what he did. There were consequences to, to what he did. And, I, and, and more importantly, the consequence was that I kept LARPing the animosity between us, even though functionally in the game, there wasn't much animosity, sure, sure, sure. nonetheless. Um, so when he came in, 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 in last and, uh, and, and I came out victorious, uh, there was definitely some... some uh, he was like, he was a little frustrated. I said, Mike, I hope you know that this is that this is respect in, in, in respect absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely he's like yeah 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 yeah. I, he was like I, i'm mad at my own game but I, but for a minute there i was like oh did i did i paul this did you paul this wow wow that did is I, that, high, high praise high praise <laughs> <laughs> anyway i'm not sure we came to too much conclusion except to say that uh, that in negotiation presentation matters in my oh, opinion yes yes in uh, my opinion matters very matters very much um I, I would say for me, uh, the answer is like, uh, there's no answer, but like uh, the consideration is like not all games or, or not all negotiations are created equal. That, 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 that I feel is very sure, clear. Sure. Uh, and not all, uh, not all games necessarily, I feel, can bear as much negotiation as, as one may be comfortable with or not. 100%. Yeah. And, and it needs to be something that needs to be sussed out. Not necessarily... I mean, if you're with playing with people that you're not comfortable with, we're we're a pretty comfortable group. Sure, sure. Um, so with us, I think we can sort of suss that out without a verbal contract. But in some cases, some cases well, this, you may need it. This is the first time, you know, I believe James has seen you know Dark Paul or or what our group calls Paul. Yeah. <laughs> and and some people's the way people play games. There's plenty of people that do not play games with this aspect. 
No, it's it, it, and this aspect is shocking and off-putting, or it can be. I, I feel like that. Yeah, I feel like there was this sense that like he felt, and and not no judgment that like I was destroying the game. No, yeah. but you were destroying his game. Sure, you know, but like once again, like you know, there's here here's here's the the what you know here here's where it becomes like really dark. What if you're in? I'm in third place. You're in second place, and the winner is blah blah. If I go, Tom, if you don't do this deal, I will cripple your game so much that you know we won't win. Or you you you'll have no chance of winning. Yeah. You know, is that is that a fair negotiation? What if I sugarcoat it? <laughs> no, probably not. And, and but like it's still within. I can make the argument like I'm in dead last. I'm trying to improve my position. All these things are like you know are in play. I, I don't know. I, yeah. Like I said, like the, it, 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 it 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 really to some degree comes down to something we didn't even talk about, which is in acceding to your counter proposal. How much did he harm his position? That's really a, a lot of what it comes down to. If the harm was if the harm was a minor and relatively incidental. Then yeah, then I, I think you're in better shape. If it is, if if it significantly dents his chance of winning, and you're insisting that he do that, uh, that that leaves a worse taste. So it's it's a tough it's a tough uh, call. More and, sugar, and, and as with anything, yeah, more sugar, more sugar, more sugar, spoonful of sugar, man. That's your philosophy. I, I'm it, saying it, I'm, it does make the medicine it, go down. It, it's, it's literally interesting because like you you like you know as as a professed Gryffindor and. A, profess slytherin that i am yes you know like you know your 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 take is like oh trick them sweetly <laughs> and I, i'm not and talking I'm, about tricking and, them and, and, and i'm going and i'm going uh you know just be up front <laughs> i am not tricking anybody i'm telling you i am maneuvering myself into situations where i where my negotiation is pointing out a good move for you sure sure i like like sugarcoat it like you know your problem is presentation <laughs> All right, that's it. We're moving on to one game, sommelier. Roger, I am, Roger. I am done with you. Are you done with me? That's right. Sometimes a player just got to know which game should stay, which game should go, which to play with my mom, my dad, my boo. You got to tell me, monsieur, just what to do. Want to make an impression, but I can't get far. As my 50th player of Agricola, a million games. Show me the way to the master, the game sommelier. All right. We're gonna need to make a longer mix of that. That game's that that song's way like, too short. We need like a party mix. That's probably what we need. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll have Alfred do that. Um, all right. Here is something from Mark J. I have a question for the sommelier. My regular game group is only three people: myself and my two nephews who love gaming with me. That's awesome. Uh, one loves Euros. One leans toward war games, and I am an omnivorous gamer. Welcome to the club. That's me too. We found, with your help, games like Maria. So thank you. But what kind of three-person fillers might work for us that might last up to forty-five minutes? Thanks for everything you do, all you do for the community. Mark J. Mark, thank you uh, for that question. That's a hard one. Yeah, good for three players. Fits for a war gamer and a euro gamer and forty five minutes. Let's put let's. There's a good reason why there is that as your uh, as a sommelier question because it's a real hard one. Uh, got a few things though. You go for it. Uh, war chest. There's a game called War Chest, which is a very interesting kind of chess like game where you are building various 
are, uh, military units that have special functions. You're playing cards that activate those functions. And it's it's kind of a little bit like uh, Memoir 44 and Battlecry and, and, and that ilk of games, but abstracted down into... Uh, into whatever units you need them to be. So there's a, there's a chess-like aspect to it as well. I think that's probably going to be a game that's pretty good for the Euro gamer, really good for the war gamer, and you can definitely play that. You can play certain scenarios and sessions of that in 45 minutes. Um, another thing is there's a game called The Grizzled, which is a really interesting game set in the trenches of World War One. Um but the gameplay is not very wargamey. It's a little more eurogamey actually in the way it plays. So setting good for wargamer and and uh, play maybe good for eurogamer. Um, a very interesting game. I highly recommend people people check that out and try that. So th- those are those are two of the games that I would say. Um, also, Roll for the Galaxy for something that, uh, you know, I'm not sure the war game is going to be totally into that, but Roll for the Galaxy, as far as the Race for the Galaxy series go, is probably the fastest playing. It probably uh, tops out in an hour, maybe a little bit maybe a little bit less. And I think you can get a bunch of games in like that. And listen, there's a military aspect to it. You can build military planets and all that sort of stuff, and uh, maybe that would go. Anything? Anything? Any thoughts for you? I'm, I'm going to, like, I'm going to just go up like you know divine what the question behind the question is sure and i think the question is basically what game can i play in 45 minutes with two players who like different things and and euro and so i think the answer i pick is jaws okay because i it's not a euro and it's not war gamey but like this it's going to neither of you get it (laughs) that's right but i think what you're looking for is a certain interaction where the three of you are going to have hit the right spots. Sure. And, and I think that this is probably where I would, I would look uh, just because, you know, Jaws is, I don't want to say masterful, but like, I think it, for what it is, it's pretty, it's pretty good. And I, I, I can't imagine a war gamer not enjoying it. I can't imagine a Euro person not enjoying it. I mean, it is hidden movement and mm-hmm. hidden movement. There are both Euros and war games that involve hidden movement. So mm-hmm. that does fit. I like that. And so I, I think Jaws actually plays that an hour. Like, is that? A, I, I think so. But, I think you could, I think it's speed upable. Yeah. And so, so I, I would do that. Like, and, and if, if, if all three of you watch Jaws first, I think you'll enjoy it much more. 100%. So, 100%. so I, that's why, I, and it's and it's it's completely digestible. Yeah, so hundred percent, great, great thing. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Mark. We really appreciate the uh, the, the the request there, and uh, hope this was helpful to you, Paul. We've done it. We've done another episode. Well, have we decided if I'm a jerk or not? Or the jerk? Oh, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I mean, I stick by my original answer. Sure, sure. I, sure. I stick by my original answer. You, 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 you're just you're a bull in the china shop. You're just you're just saying all the all the wrong things. Like even when your point is right, you're just you're open your mouth and you mess it all up. I don't I don't get it. I don't get why you have to do that. I, and and to claim that and and to claim that to not do that is somehow more noble. Uh, <laughs> a bunch of nonsense. I, I don't know. I don't know. I oh don't my know. goodness, Snape. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Man. Um, uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we have a uh, YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash GameBrainPod. We have a Facebook group, a Discord channel. Please get in those game sommeliers. We love good sommelier requests. 
anything else you want to say, Paul? I just want to thank friend of the podcast, David Gilson. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, David. And you are our friend. You have been listening to Game Brain. Produced and edited by Matthew Robinson, Tom Donnelly, and Trey Alsop. Special thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music. More on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com. And thanks to Edomar Peleg for our incredible graphics. You can reach us by email at contact at GameBrainPod.com or on Twitter at GameBrain underscore pod. Thanks so much for listening and go play some games with friends or make some friends with games.